4: Tuesday the show as always presented by DraftKings. Welcome in to Vsin and DraftKings Network alongside three-time Super Bowl winning executive and strategist Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bon and Tony. Lots to get to over the course of the next hour. Diving into all things NFL, get some good college football talk in as well in about 30 minutes. Vsin.com writer and college football analyst Aaron Moore is going to stop by, talk a little transfer portal and some early bowl lines, Michael. But let's get started talking about last night Monday night football. Well, a, a game that was originally billed as getting two former number one overall pick quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and uh, and uh, Joe Burrow, ends up being C.J. Beathard closing out the game with Trevor Lawrence injured and Jake Browning having a day, which I didn't see coming. Fun one last night.
5: Great one. I mean, those poor Jacksonville fans. I mean, this was a moment oh, yeah. to really enjoy. They had a chance to to secure home field advantage. Really, after that great win against the Texans last week, put some distance between them and the AFC South. I mean, you Nilo, know, look, people don't realize right now, but, you know, the Indianapolis Colts are 7-5. and five. So this is a great opportunity for Jacksonville to kind of separate themselves, right? And really kind of close out the South. No, didn't happen. Didn't play good defense. I mean, they gave up the most yards of the season defensively to... To Browning. I mean, Browning played really well. And I got to credit Zach Taylor for what he did offensively. He, You know, he knew he couldn't really run block. A lot of outside throws kind of got the running game going. Brown gave him some lift, kind of an alternate back in there to go along with Mixon. great screen packages. So, And then when he had to throw it down the field, the kid made some incredibly good throws. And, you know, you're throwing the ball to Chase and to Higgins and to, to Boyd. You've got three good receivers. So... Credit Cincinnati for coming up with a way to be unconventional and and really keeping the ball away from the Jacksonville Jaguars because we know the Bengals' defense isn't very good. So I I wasn't anticipating this at all from the Bengals. I was wondering how they were going to score, and yet they put 34 on the board. They have 12 plays in overtime, get three first downs, and win the game.
4: Yeah, and another primetime over. All three primetime games this week go over the total. First time that's happened since week 12 of last year. First time since week two that a Monday night game has gone over. 65 total points in this one. And to your point about Jake Browning, very efficient. 32 of 37, 354 yards through the air. Two total touchdowns. I referenced earlier the first undrafted player in the common era to go over 350 at an 85% completion clip. He was great. And they also did get the run game going, which was a big concern of ours coming into this game based off of what we saw specifically a week ago against the Steelers made life hard on, 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 uh, our guy here, Jake Browning, because we were talking about, if, if you're asking this guy to throw the ball 44 times a game, it's going to be tough. He's not Joe Burrow. He goes out and throws right. it for 37 and he still was as good as he was, but, for as positive as this was for Cincinnati, Michael, do you think that there could be any opportunity for them as far as their playoff window? I know it's an outside shot, but it's six and six right now, five games left. Four of their remaining opponents are going to have backup quarterbacks as well.
5: Yeah. I mean, look, I think one of the things that game showed, at least if you're Jim Schwartz, the defense coordinator of the Cleveland Browns, is now this is the new Cincinnati offense. You know, we weren't sure what it was going to be. They tried to run the Joe Burrow Cincinnati offense last week. It didn't work, right? It didn't work at all. And so this week, even though it was against Pittsburgh, and they played Pittsburgh close, they just couldn't get it done. And Browning had a hard time completing passes in that game, and two of his completions were tip balls. So I think now, like early in the season, this is how they want to play with Browning, and that's going to be the key. And they're going to go against the Cleveland defense I mean, excuse me, they're going to, you know, it gives them a chance to see what they have moving forward in terms of Browning when they go play. When Indianapolis, I meant Gus Bradley, not Jim Schwartz. When Gus Bradley goes to play him, he's got a chance to see that and understand that it'll be a harder game next week because they won't be able to do as much stuff and the play calling will be tailored towards that game. So for me, you know, I, I thought it was a great game. Can he do it again? I mean, if he does it again, he's going to make some money in the league because there's very few quarterbacks that are doing what he's doing.
4: No question. Uh, Minshew this week in the Colts, a one-point favorite in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Then Cincinnati will host Minnesota, who's lost back-to-back games at Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett's having ankle surgery, so we're going to see Mitch Trubisky that game in a few weeks. So he's week to week. We'll see if he can get back that early, but it does seem unlikely then at Kansas city and Cleveland at home to close out the the regular season. As for Jacksonville, they're eight and four lost an opportunity to have the top seed in the AFC where things sit right now. Also now only a one game lead in the AFC South. Um, They did sweep the Colts split with Houston. Houston ends the season on the road in Indy. They're a one-and-a-half-point dog at Cleveland this week. What do you think of that matchup now with Trevor Lawrence, a high ankle sprain, he's week-to-week, week, and Christian Kirk needs surgery for a core muscle injury, so he's going to miss some time.
5: Well, I think Cleveland, you know, they, wa- they left Los Angeles. They have to be just completely disappointed in how they played defensively. And they have to have a sense that, you know, we didn't lose this game because we didn't have a quarterback. We lost this game because the one strength of our team wasn't very strong, and we got to get that back. And we got to get that back, and we got to play at a higher level. I mean, this was as bad as they've played in a long time. It's going back to the Colts game on the road. We know this. Cleveland is a better defensive team when they play at home. There's no question about that. We, it's pretty obvious. You know, they, they can shut down really good offensive teams when they play at home. When they play on the road, it's not the same thing. I mean, Baltimore, you know, struggled to move the football. They had 296 yards on them at home. Right. You know, San Francisco had 215 total. That was a win game. Right. The Arizona Cardinals with Clayton Toon at 58 yards. So it's been very challenging to move the football on them at home. But I'll say this, you know, to me, with Jacksonville coming in, I don't know where they're going to be at left tackle. Robinson got hurt last night, so we got to see where they are. Not only is Lawrence hurt, Kirk's hurt, Robinson's hurt. There's a lot of guys hurt for the Jacksonville Jaguars going to be a tough to get off the mat. We know Jacksonville Lawrence particularly has played better at, on the road than he has at home. So, uh that that they're undefeated on the road. That's hard to stay undefeated on the road. But this Browns defense got humiliated last week. It really did. I mean, they had every chance to win that game. And if they just play a normal defense, if they play normally who they are and not give up 400 yards, they're going to beat the Rams and they're going to be 8 and 4 as opposed to now being 7 and 5. I think this is a prideful game for them having to play them.
4: Yeah, it's been 7-5 and and slipping. And also, just since this morning, the Jags were getting one and a half points. They're now getting three because of those injuries. We still aren't sure about the quarterback situation for the Browns, but it's looking like Joe Flacco is in line to start again. It's got to be
5: Flacco. They haven't gotten that good a quarterback play from anybody. I mean, let's be clear. Deshaun Watson didn't play as good as Flacco did the other night. I mean, really, let's be honest. I mean, Deshaun Watson hasn't played that good. So that, ans- so that
4: answers my question because I was going to ask you if Dorian Thompson Robinson did clear protocol, do you think Joe Flacco should still start based on what we saw? sounds no. like that's a no-brainer. It's,
5: it's got to be Flacco. I mean, they threw, they threw for 240 yards. That's the most yards they thrown all year other than the second game of the season when they played Tennessee. I mean, they haven't come close to it, right? That was one of their best offensive performances. at had 21st downs in the game. I mean, they moved the ball. They converted third downs. Now it wasn't perfect, and you know he, but he got the ball down. And Amari Cooper got hurt in the game. Yep. I, I mean, I thought it was by far the best quarterbacking game they got out of a quarterback in terms of how he played. Right? Think about it. He got you know he was able to make plays down the field. He threw the ball. Now he didn't have all his receivers. His line still beat up. They didn't run the ball as effectively as you usually think they do. But I thought, you know, there's, to me, it's a no-brainer. They're going to play him again. He's Their feeling is, look, if we keep playing him, he'll just get better.
4: And 19 points on the board. The games that Dorian Thompson-Robinson started, 12 points, 10 points, and three points in that, that first start of the season. But I don't like to count that one against the guy too much because he had such limited opportunity to prepare. But Flacco, yeah. 254 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And, you know, you talked about it. He, he made – some throws. He moved when he needed to. Um, Amari Cooper, you referenced, lost to a concussion in the second quarter. His status still TBD as well as it pertains to this week. But, Joe, I will just give you some advice, Joe Flacco. Don't stay too dialed in on Elijah Moore, okay? I, I know that he made a couple good plays, but just four catches on 12 targets. So it's okay to look at some other guys if you can. That's <laughs> um, yeah, true. Speaking of concussion protocol, Derek Carr remains in the league's protocol. Um, it's his second in a month. We talked about that yesterday. Derek Henry, meanwhile, no longer in concussion protocol. He appears to be in line to play their Week Four game against the Miami Dolphins.
5: Yeah, and that'll be that'll be important because Miami at home is a really good defense. Miami forces you to play left-handed. They'll take away Henry in the run game, and they're going to say to Will Levis, "You beat us." And when you watch Levis, he's not consistent in terms of being throwing the football accurately. If he played shortstop, there'd be a lot of throws over to first base in the dirt. I've never seen a quarterback throw the ball in the dirt as much as him. You know, and I don't know if it's because he's kind of pulling off the throw. He's unsure, but he just doesn't really cut it loose. Sometimes he makes some great deep throws, but the more third downs they get into, it'll be really hard. This matchup against Vic Fangio will be a real challenge for Levis because he'll get blitzed. They'll attack. This offensive line of the Tennessee Titans is not very good. Bad lines don't travel. And this line is really bad. It's one of the weaknesses of their team. They can't cover and they can't protect. Not a good thing for any team.
4: And I know you wrote in your article today talking about Miami's place in the AFC. um, The way that this defense has changed under Vic Fangio the first four weeks it Seemed like it was kind of a figuring out process with the scheme a little bit. They were allowing 30 points per game roughly, and since then just 18.3 points per game. And then you add in the addition of Jalen Ramsey from week eight on, and it seems like things have steadily progressed from that standpoint also.
5: Yeah. I I mean, I think to me, they're just going to keep – the way they play defense – I know Phillips being out, but but Fangio's the difference maker. The way and they're and the way they've played, I I think I wrote about it today. I mean, like they've they've given up like 18 points since the Eagle game. They're just too good. They're, they'll have a hard time scoring on them and being consistent.
4: Well, we got to work on that offense, having success against good teams. One guy who always seems to deliver is Tyreek Hill. I know you like him a lot. As if there were to be a non-quarterback to win the MVP, take a shot on Tyreek. We'll look at a number of awards markets when we come back here on the Lombardi Line.
3: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: If you're looking for a betting edge this college bowl season, the VSIN experts have you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with our introductory offer of only $9.99. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by all of our show hosts and guests, tools like betting splits, let you see where the money and bets are moving for each and every game, and our College Bowl betting guide where you get picks for every bowl game. Don't miss out. This is a limited time offer. Visit vsin.com slash subscribe today. To sign up for just $9.99, become a part of VSIN, the sports betting network. That's vsin.com. Slash subscribe, and I know we're going to get into a number of NFL betting markets here in a moment, Michael. But for inquiring minds, while well, we got college football on the brain, the finalists for the Heisman were released yesterday: Jaden oh Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., and Marvin Harrison Jr. Sneaking his way in there as well.
5: Well, I mean, how would you rank them in the order that they should be valued? What was you? I think I just—I
4: think I just did. That—that that would Me be my too. order. Yeah,
5: that was my order too, right? <laughs> I think that's the order. You know, it's funny. Did you see? on uh there's some conspiracy theories going around that you know when they did a when they did a shot of herb street he had the four helmets behind him in the exact order that it came out on the on the thing so as much as they claim they didn't know who was going to be there they obviously did
4: listen i think that we're taking things a little bit too far with the conspiracy theorists the twitter people getting all mad at Herbie. maybe he just put the helmets up in the order that he would have picked them Nobody maybe thought. Nobody right, said sorry. that. Nobody thought about right. that. They just noticed that Florida State had moved.
5: That's right. Saying. You maybe you're right. I agree with you. I'm, I'm with you. I got to give I the mean, benefit
4: of the doubt, right?
5: <laughs> right. And I mean, it really wasn't. It wasn't that challenging to predict. To me, as I've said, since the thing is, are we sure Texas is the right team, and Georgia should be in there? I know Texas beat Alabama. God knows they're going to hear that for another six months. I mean, God forbid, you know, week two all of a sudden became the most important week in college. Remember next year when we're doing the show in week two, we should announce it's the most important week in the college football right here this week.
4: Of course. Teams
5: don't get better.
4: Yep. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I'll put a note. I'll put a note in to get us prepared for next season. Um, But like and I think this will be a good conversation when we have Aaron Moore join us in about 15 minutes or so. Um, He's so dialed into all things college football. Obviously, this year was very, very controversial on what those final four were going to be. Are we going to have that same type of controversy when we get to the 12 team playoff? Because somebody's always going to be mad that yeah. they're left out or where their position is. But will it lessen a little bit with the 12-team format? We can get into that a little bit more with him. But while we're on, you know, MVP caliber type players, those, and we imagine Jane Daniels is going to win it all. He was a massive favorite before that line eventually came off of the board. But in the MVP market for the National Football League, Mr. Irrelevant, Irrelevant No More, <laughs> now MVP favorite Brock Purdy sitting there at 3-1. How
5: about that? Uh-huh. Yeah. How about the way that line moved? Eleven to one on Sunday when we're Saturday, we were talking even last week you and I were talking about it down to three to one. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right?
4: Yep. And I mean I, a, mean, let a me statement see. win over the Two is still plus eight
5: fifty though. Two is still plus eight fifty. I mean, you can't get him out of the top five no matter how you try. His odds are still and, and after I just talked about when you look at the numbers when you look at when Tua can't get the ball to Tyreek Hill in the four games that he's been under 100 yards they can not you know they've lost 3 of them think about that
4: wild stat Tyreek Hill meanwhile 16 to 1 um
5: i it can't get no respect the poor guy
4: <laughs> he is the odds on favorite though to win offensive player of the year and rightfully so um it's just it's such a quarterback award. There hasn't been a non quarterback that's no, won League MVP in a decade. It's it's unfortunate that's the way it is. But I wonder, like, do you think at sixteen to one that there could be potential value on that number if he does hit over two thousand yards, something that has yeah. never been done in NFL history?
5: Well, I mean, if he hits over that uh, two hundred two thousand yards and they and they, you know, they have four of the next five at home and he starts, you know, he starts Stack setting them. records yeah. like he has. I mean, You know, I think that's clearly a possibility. He just can't afford to have a game like he had against New England or Buffalo or, you know, Philadelphia. I mean, those are the games that kind of hurt him because the other teams take him away. The smart teams take him away. They don't try to play him one-on-one like they did in Washington last week. I'll tell you the guy, though, it's a big week for him. If Dak beats Philly and plays well. Now, I know it's a home game. Everybody says, well, Dallas plays well at home. If Dak beats Philly, you know, then and f- all of a sudden they beat Miami. I know they've got a tough road ahead. Uh, D- Dallas does. I know they do, right? But if they're able to win those games and he comes back and he's and they end up uprooting Philadelphia for the number one seed, which I think is not probable, but it's due. they got they got Philly, Buffalo, Miami, the next three games, and Detroit, the four four play potential playoff teams. He plays good in those four games. He, he might win it. He might just beat out Purdy.
4: So there are a lot of people that And granted, like the odds are very close, right? Purdy is three to one. Jalen and Dak are both sitting there at plus 350. The margin is very, very slim, but there are a lot of people that were upset that Dak isn't the favorite right now because of what he's been doing. I still think Brock is the deserved favorite at this point, leading the league in completion percentage, the best rating in all of the NFL right now. He's had a couple perfect passer rating games, which is remarkable for a guy that the story that he has, which I think a lot of this is pretty narrative driven too, but Dak having the best year of his career, really, it seems like, and if he can win some of these important games and have the Cowboys win because of him, I think that's important because we've seen a lot of times historically for the Dallas Cowboys where you're winning in spite of Dak in a lot of instances, particularly late in games.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's two things I thought of today when I was writing that column you know, how much crap did poor Matt Patricia take about how bad the the Patriots' offense was last year, and yet it was 10 times better than it is this year? And then how much crap did Mike McCarthy take for taking over the play calling by the Twitter experts, and how much better Dak is playing this year than last year? You know, when we all want this change to occur, when everybody has the right answers. I mean, I can remember listening to people talk about how it was the dumbest thing Mike McCarthy could ever do is to take over the play calling. I mean, there were videos up on Twitter by these so-called experts. I was the only one screaming that it was a good move. I was the only one saying at least they'll play complimentary football. They won't be working in their basement. And it's true. They just don't call plays. It's like the enemy. Last week, you know, all the enemy wants to do is call passes. So when he goes against a good defense coordinator like Vic Fangio, he throws for 104 yards because he knows what he's going to do. He kind of takes away. And I think McCarthy's done a really good job and it shows up with Dak. It really does. And I think that that's one of the things that I think when you look at, like last year, I mean, they made fun of, how much fun did we all make of the Patriot offense? Oh, yeah. Well, I could tell you, you, you watch week two against Pittsburgh and you watch the Patriots against the Chargers. Completely different. That last year's offense looked like they were farly, they were f- by far the better coach team.
4: Extremely sad statement um, that they were the better coach team compared to what they are now on offense. I still don't think it was a good decision to have Matt no, Patricia
5: I, be here. I, I don't either. I don't either. I don't either. But I think to me is sometimes we think change is going to make right. something better. And it doesn't necessarily. It has to be the right change.
4: With uh, with Dak averaging around 270 yards per game, 26 touchdowns, just six interceptions, completion percentage over 70%. With Jalen Hurts, how, how many of his? So he's 31 total touchdowns this year. How many of those are tush pushes, though? Like, can we really count those into the total touchdown? Like, or I don't know. What's your view of them and how that impacts him and his touchdown total?
5: You know, I think what he, he, to me, I, I think sneaks like one-yard touchdown passes. Do they really count, right? You know, it's like rebounds off of missed three throws. Do they really count? Should they count? Or or should they be like a half a rebound? Because nobody's (laughs) contesting you for it, right? If you were being contested for the rebound, then you count it. But nobody is. You know, I could get the rebound if a missed free throw because everybody's retreating back. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's got to be. But he does, you know, the one thing he does with this tush push is he makes it go now. I mean, nobody else runs it like he runs it. No one does but I don't see him as the MVP in the league. I I really don't. I mean, the 10 interceptions, you know, Mac Jones has got 12. I mean, he's up there in the same case in the top four of interceptions, and they have not been the same team offensively. Let's be clear. They're not as explosive as they were last year. I think he had a much better year last year than he's having this year.
4: Yeah, and you can tell he's been hampered at least a little bit impacted by that injury. Um, Of course, left the game this past week with the what appeared to be a concussion ended up not being and still up for debate of whether or not he should have come back into the game regardless. We only have 60 seconds left, Michael, but because you mentioned Bien-Ami, uh, what would you make of the report from Josina Anderson earlier that uh, he could be getting looked at from the Bears?
0: Uh,
5: I mean, Biennemi's been looked at by, what, 12 teams? I mean, if you're watching the tape on, on Washington, Biennemi is, they throw the ball really well. There's no question. They do nothing to help the team win. They don't play complimentary football at all. They just don't, and, you know, they don't ever slow the game down. They just throw it, and if you want stats, go ahead, but if that you want to win games, I would be concerned about it.
4: The enemy does like to throw it. Sam Howell can confirm, um, but according to Josina Anderson's report, Matt Eberflus is, quote, under evaluation with the Bears over the season's final month. I did not know that was news. That I mean, was we, aren't we, we all under evaluation?
5: <laughs> aren't you and I under evaluation? I mean, everybody's under evaluation every day. That's why we get up.
4: Contract year, baby. Hope we're under evaluation. You want the good stuff. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. Switch into more college football with Aaron Moore in a moment.
3: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host Stormy Bonatoni on FSN, the sports betting network
4: does not love this time of year the holidays are here and you should let Omaha Steaks take some of the guesswork out of gifting for you this holiday season go to omahasteaks.com you'll save 50% off site-wide plus when you use our promo code VSIN at checkout get an additional 30 bucks off your order send tender juicy butcher's cut filet mignon mouth-watering burgers gourmet jumbo franks or even easy to prep meals that are ready in a flash Omaha Steaks a gift from the heart. Visit omahastakes.com. Again, take advantage of that 50% off site wide. Plus, use our promo code VSIN at checkout. Get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Bonantoni with you here on this Tuesday edition of the Lombardi line. We're getting into some college football. His great friend of the show, Aaron Moore, joins us. VSIN.com, writer, college football analyst at pub relation prof on X. And there's so many different things that we can get into here, Aaron, but I just want to start. With Since we saw yesterday the transfer portal open, over a 1,000 Division One players were in there. We know there's going to be a lot of opt-outs for guys getting set for the NFL draft as well. As bettors are figuring things out for this bowl season, do you have any good advice that people can take stock in ahead of bowl season?
6: Well, Stormy, I think you have to have an approach to betting bowl season. That's probably going to be different than the regular season. If I'm looking at handicapping college football during the regular season, I'm going to want to have a spreadsheet and I'm going to want to have numbers in front of me. Now, in the college bowl season, I'm going to want to have Twitter in front of me. Twitter is going to be one of the best tools to use when you're handicapping because it gives you that up to date information about who's opting out, who is in the portal. And hopefully, from a betting standpoint, if you're using Twitter, you can be a little bit above and uh, a little bit faster than the books and getting that information and using it. So I think you have to really rely on Twitter at this time of the year. And the other idea, when it comes to handicapping during college bowl season right now, that if you have a concern about a star player, if you think there is a star player with NFL potential and you're wondering whether or not he's going to play, I think you have to take the approach. You have to lean. He's not playing. And that that relates to the four games as well, the the four final four teams. There's a possibility players don't play in those games. So I think if you're looking at it right now in early December and you're wondering about a player playing in a bowl game or opting out, I think you have to lean towards him opting out
5: and then, Adam, don't you have to handicap the motivation of the game, right? I mean, missouri, this is their this is their season playing. In this game, right? I mean, this is going to be mean everything to them. Ohio State's still angry. How many guys have just jumped in the portal? Don't you have to handicap the motivation of the team? Like, I think I would think Arizona would be completely hell bent to win the, the Alamo Bowl, whereas Oklahoma's starting quarterback already bailed on them.
6: Yeah, Michael. The Arizona line with Oklahoma—it started out as pretty much a pickem, and now we see a lot of movement towards Arizona. And the idea is that motivation. It's not necessarily people think that Arizona is a better team. If this game was played two or three weeks ago, that game right there is a perfect example of motivation and one of the quickest lines to move so far. Once all these lines were released, so Arizona, Oklahoma, absolutely. It relates uh, relates to motivation. And I think, Michael, we talk about motivation so much when we handicap football games, if it's the NFL or if it's college football during the regular season. It's very difficult, though, for us to truly understand motivation. We're not in the locker room. We're not there at practice. We know motivation plays a role. However, in the bowl season, there really is a precedent, and we've seen it the last few years. We've seen it in this whole era of the portal and opting out where motivation at this point is almost tangible. And I think from a tangible standpoint, that Arizona-Oklahoma game is a perfect example, as well as the Missouri-Ohio State game. It's almost tangible. We can touch those points that have changed because people have bet based on motivation.
4: Yeah, a number of players in the transfer portal for Ohio State, including their quarterback, Kyle McCord, which was a little bit of a shock, at least for me personally. So they have gone from a six and a half point favorite to now a one point dog. You got ahead of that line. You grabbed the points early. But now, as that line starts to flip, like, could you consider double dipping on this game if it gets too far?
6: Absolutely, because it's still stormy. I know Kyle McCord isn't going to play, and I know Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't going to play, but it's still Ohio State playing Missouri, a Missouri team that as well as it could throughout the season so if it can get to a point where Missouri is now the favorite and I've already gotten the good line I, I I'm definitely going to look to see if I can get it both ways I think that's another technique or another philosophy that better should have in the bowl season you're going to see some variance of lines you're going to see lines move don't be afraid to take both sides try to get into the middle and I think that's one of the best aspects of handicapping the college bowl season, it's different. And it really gives you the ability, especially at the end of the year, to play with your bankroll. Hopefully you're positive at this point. It gives you the ability to be a creative better and a creative handicapper. Definitely look for games that flip from favorite to underdog, vice versa. If you could get both sides, there's a good option there.
5: How about the Alabama-Michigan game? I mean, I'm I'm kind of torn between that. I haven't done enough work. But you grabbed Alabama minus two, and it's already down to minus one.
6: Yeah, I think, Michael, that it, it kind of scares me in the sense that Alabama is going to be the popular play here. They really are going to be the popular play. So when the lines came out, I looked at that thinking all of the momentum on Alabama. This idea about Alabama was overlooked from the last half of the season, and now they have Jalen Milrow, all the Pistons are kicking. So I could see that line changing. That's one of the main reasons that uh, I took Alabama. And the other reason is this. Yes, Michigan, Undefeated, fantastic season, win the Big Ten, rightfully so. However, they really haven't played that great of a schedule. They certainly have not played a mobile quarterback like Jalen Milroe. And I think the Michigan defense looked a little bit slow the last couple weeks. They really didn't play that great against Iowa. We talk about Iowa and their inability to score. We talk about Jim Harbaugh coming back. I think those storylines... Kind of overshadow the fact I don't think Michigan played all that well. And if you look at Michigan's schedule during the regular season, they played two quarterbacks of the most mobile type that aren't really that mobile Tunga Bailoa at Maryland and Kyle McCord at Ohio State. Now, by no means are they anywhere near near Jalen Milrow, but they were the most mobile quarterbacks that this Michigan team played. And both of those quarterbacks kept their team in the game. And I think that's a big factor, that Alabama is a better version than anybody Michigan has faced. And Michigan, the last two or three weeks, has not run away with everything. And you give, and this is going to be one of those storylines you're going to hear a million times, you give Nick Saban a month to plan he really is going to put his team in a good position.
4: Meanwhile, people across the country have their pitchforks out in anger that Alabama and Texas are in and Florida State was not. Um, Michael and I said yesterday on the program, Florida State probably shouldn't have even been five in our mind based on the committee's justification of things because Georgia is clearly a better team than them without Jordan Travis. But for you, like big picture, as we transition from the 14 playoff to 12 beginning next year, are we still going to have these problems even with the expanded format or will things kind of work themselves out better now that more teams are having the opportunity to fight for those roles?
6: Well, Stormy, I don't think we'll have problems. We'll have headaches. We'll have people upset. We'll have people complaining. We'll have people sending Twitter notes and tweets. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe my team didn't get in. And we kind of see that with the field of 68 in college basketball, that we're never complaining about these top seeds, who should get in the top seeds, those teams that very likely are going to win the national championship. In that last section of the season, we're talking about those teams on the bubble. Think about college basketball. How much talk? teams on the bubble get in the media. However, they're very likely gonna lose one game if they get into the tournament. So that bubble talk is great conversation. It's good from a betting standpoint. Books offer whether or not teams are gonna get into the tournament. I think you'll see that more when college football expands its uh, playoff to 12 teams next year. There's gonna be more betting opportunities whether or not these teams get in. And I just think in the age of social media and outrage, you're gonna be upset your team didn't get in But if we look at it this way, Oklahoma, LSU, Arizona, Notre Dame, they were the teams, if there was a 12-team playoff this year, that wouldn't get in. I don't think anybody would say those four teams truly are national champion contenders.
4: We've only got about 30 seconds left, but any other bets you want to give out quickly that you really, really feel confident in and like...
6: Well, I, looking at the Army-Navy game, it's happening. There's only one game. You have to bet it. And I think it is a difficult game to handicap. We want to take the under. We don't think there's a lot of scoring. But I do like a play in this, and it comes with a plus number. You can get plus 155. Bryson Daly... The, Army quarterback to score a touchdown, anytime touchdown. He has a TD in three of his last four games. He scored two touchdowns against the Air Force. You can get that quarterback for plus 155 to score a touchdown. And the idea is if Army scores, it's going to be Bryson
4: Daly. Ooh, love it. A plus money prop in Army Navy for scoring. That's what I'm talking about, Aaron. Great stuff as always. That is Thanks, Aaron Moore. Awesome vcin.com writer make sure you check out his work there and on twitter at pub we we'll be right back on the lombardi line
6: from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast
4: is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny
2: usa
4: In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week new customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code VSIN, that's V S I N, DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours could take advantage of that promotion tonight as the in-season tournament in the NBA rolls on. Michael, six teams remaining. The Pelicans and Pacers already cemented their spots in the semifinals, but we got two games coming up tonight where the Knicks are getting five points against Milwaukee. The Suns getting a point and a half against the Lakers. I think that's going to be the more fun of the two. Obviously, the spread indicates it's going to be more competitive, but uh, yeah, the Lakers, the on star the, power. Will Hills
5: is on... Yeah, Will Hills on the Suns and he's and he's been running the Lakers for 10 years. I mean, that's amazing. He's wow. going against his own team that he How built. Dare he? And I don't know if you know this, but Big Daddy's a huge Nick fan. I mean, we're going to have him on the podcast on uh, Thursday. To talk about the Green Bay Packers, we could sprinkle a little. If the next win tonight, we might have to sprinkle in some uh, NBA in-season tournament talk with the big man.
4: There you go. I that's going to be a must listen, by the way. So that's a great tease for the GM shuffle coming out this Thursday. Big Daddy Vince is going to come on. We'll finally hear the voice, see the face behind all of the text <laughs> messages. The I'm so excited. You, yeah, <laughs>
5: you can't you. You know, as the great Bill Berman said, if he just acts himself, there's no one else. It's all he needs to do. So we'll get all the negativity we can possibly acquire. And his favorite line when you listen to my pod this week is we'll see. We'll see is like the worst line you can have is because you're they basically what they're telling you when someone says we'll see is you're not right. Mm. That's what they're saying.
4: His only positive against the uh, about the Packers this week when I listened to the pod, you said, was the LaFleur haircut. That was the only thing oh, that he I could get that. mad that about. That's the only
5: text I got from him. <laughs> at, at, at 8.20, I got, look at LaFleur's fresh haircut. It looks great. <laughs> and that was said, and I never heard from the rest of the night.
4: Something tells me there might have been a few more expletives in that, but I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. appreciate <laughs> Well, he doesn't call him LaFleur. That's
5: the thing. <laughs> He's nicknamed him that everybody knows what it is that you and I can't talk about it.
4: Uh, the, the game that I am interested in tonight, though, in the NBA is that Suns-Lakers game. You said it. Will Hill is on the Suns. Um, L.A. won each of the previous two games in this series so far this year, 195 in game one, 122 to, ni- to 119 in game two back on November 10th. They also won Group A over the Suns, but Devin Booker was not available in either one of those games, so we'll see if that has an impact today. Maybe that's yeah. why we Will like the Suns. The Phoenix quietly ate into their last 10 games also, so the winner of that game will get the Pelicans. We're down to single elimination now. The semifinals and the finals are going to be here in Las Vegas down on the strip at T-Mobile Arena, so I'm trying to debate, Michael. You tell me if I should go down or not and check out some of these games in person. The games on Thursday, Day. Maybe with the game that we have in the NFL, you might want to actually watch some of these. You because... might want to go. I
5: mean, look. I mean, Halliburton's playing unbelievable for the Pacers. You got, you know, he's fun to watch. And this Boston team, in spite of the injuries, is still playing well. Milwaukee, you, you have to kind of go see them. So, uh, and and look, as as much as I criticized uh, the big fella uh, from the Pelicans. Uh, you know, I mean, I, they've Zion. played really well. Zaire, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's played really well. And, and the Kings have, have also, you know, the Kings have been so good last year. I, I just think it's fun. It's one thing to see these guys uh, play up close. It, it's remarkable. The, their conditioning is always what marvels me, is the way they're able to run the floor hard as they can and continue to ma- manage and never look tired.
4: And we know money is a motivator, and the at each stage of this, you get more and more cash if you make your oh, way yeah. through. Um, right now at the quarterfinal, players and coaches get 50K each. Semis, that bumps to 100. Finals, that bumps to 200. And uh, apparently, like, the intensity has really been heightened in these games. So maybe I will. I'll, I'll give it a thought. Yeah. But,
5: uh, rem- and don't think and don't think the money, is, you know, look, per diem, whatever the per diem is, if you don't give a player's per diem, no matter how much money he makes, you're going to hear from it. Oh, yeah. So, well, I mean, we you know, know in the, the
4: NFL how much these players love reaching yep. those incentives, those final games, like, excuse me, please get me the ball. I need two more catches or whatever yeah, it is.
5: Exactly.
4: Um, okay, last couple minutes here, Michael. I like to go through some of the biggest. Handle yeah. discrepancies in some of these early spreads and lines. So let's look ahead to Week 14 here quickly. Yeah, the Texans laying a big number at the Jets. We already talked about all of the dysfunction that's been going on at the quarterback position. And Robert Sala, do we or do we not want Zach Wilson to be our starting quarterback? Uh, all those rumors. 86% of the handle, 87% of bets are with Houston this week.
5: You know, what's shocking is is so you know. Th- so, we've got a reverse, we've got a clearly a reverse line movement here going on because when you look at this game, right, when you see this game happening, uh, this morning when I got up and wrote, wrote my notes this morning, the Jets were at six and a half moving to six, and now we're seeing this number come down to five, five and a half. There's some fives out there, there's some, there's still some sixes there, but it's mostly five and a half. So, people are just saying, Hey, look, it's too much money, and the Jets are getting. Most of the money there, maybe not at draftkings, but all over, so that that's a number that's interesting to me because where are the jets going to score? Like how are the jets going to score? How is this offensive line going to handle the quickness and the athleticism of this tight of the Texans up defensive front, which does give teams problems. There's no question. they're hard to block. They're on the move. You've got to be really well coached up front to handle it, especially if you want to try to run the football. so i'm 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 shocked to see people are really willing to take the Jets without even knowing who the hell their quarterback is.
4: Yeah, uh, for anybody who missed it earlier today, Tim Boyle released, Brett Rippin signed, and question marks galore about Zach Wilson um, after Boyle and Simeon, that experience did not go well this past weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. This next one, maybe not as much credence after what we saw with Mr. Browning yesterday with the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah. but it was the Colts getting the majority of the love at least early with 73% of the handle and 71% of bets.
5: Yeah, I mean, this will be, I think, pick them come game time, right? I mean, yeah. Cincinnati showed resiliency, you know, and look, Indianapolis has played well over. Uh, they're seven and five. They got an improbable block two punts. The returns were the difference in the game against Tennessee. It got the Tennessee special teams coach fired. But, I mean, look, Minshew has played well. Again, this is going to be a win game. This is going to be bad weather in the Midwest. It's going to be windy. It's going to be cold. It could be rainy. Maybe that's why some of these numbers are coming back a little bit. But, to me, Indy's defense has struggled so much that even last week they couldn't stop the run at all. Now, since he won't run the football, but Indy can throw the ball. They've kind of used Pittman more like a tight end. He's an inside slot receiver, which is where he belongs and, and they've made some plays. I think, I think Steichen has done a really good job coaching offensive football in, in Indianapolis.
4: Derek Carr is still in concussion protocol, but the Panthers... How is he not
5: going to stay there? He's got to stay there. There's no way. To me, the league has no concussion protocol if they let Carr out. Really. He's had two concussions in the last four weeks.
4: Yeah, and we talked about this so much last year with the Tuatonga vailoa of it all, like that the league does have an added emphasis on trying to protect these guys from themselves. So I think that it sounds like he's going to miss, let him stay out a little bit here. Um, But still, so the reason that I bring this up is because the Saints are still taking the majority of the money in the Panthers. So does that say more about Carolina and their state than a team without their starting quarterback?
5: Yeah, I think it does. I mean, Look, I, I think most people believe that Taysom Hills actually gives the Saints a better chance to win when he's a quarterback than with Carr. Even though Carr puts up good numbers, they just can't get an end zone. You saw what they did last week. When they needed to score, who was the quarterback in the red zone? Taysom Hill. So, you know, I mean, look, this is a must win for the Saints. They can't let this one slip away. They beat them by three in, Indiana, in, in Carolina the last time they played them. You know, five last week, they were a a five-and-a-half-point dog on the road in Tampa. Now they're a five-point dog. And we saw that line, Stormy, on Sunday go from five all the way down to three in favor of the Panthers, and they covered.
4: Michael, what you said about Taysom Hill, fans were booing Derek Carr when he checked back into the game.
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, we've all seen enough of it in the red zone. You know, it's just happened When you need to make a play, it doesn't happen. And I think the fans, I think the team has, too, I said this last week. We're talking about connectivity. We're talking about belief. That's an important quality to have. You know, you could see it last night on that field. Browning had those players believing it. I think a lot of it is pedigree. Once a guy's been a good player once before, he can't believe he's not a good player. Browning was a good player in high school and a good player in college.
4: Yeah, and he hadn't had an opportunity in the NFL back-to-back starts and one was not like the other. So I'm very curious to see which version of Jake Browning we're going to continue to get because with the efficiency that we saw yesterday, like the the Bengals sitting at 6 and 6, I, I said it earlier, it's an outside shot, but not dead in the playoff picture no. if the defense can get things a little together and he can be that efficient.
5: Yeah, he's but you know, the problem I have with jumping on that bandwagon there for them is I don't know if they can pr- play good enough on defense. You know, I don't think they're good enough, and that's what disappointed me. Is Jacksonville never got control of the game with their offense against that defense?
4: Fun show, my guy. Um, again, one more teaser for the GM shuffle this week. Big Daddy Vince coming in. You got to make Wanna sure you have your download set. That's a wrap for us. We'll be back though tomorrow, same time, same place on Vison and Norman. DraftKings Network. Thank you, buddy. See you tomorrow.
2: From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
4: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
2: This is Uncanny USA.
0: He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
2: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen.